So if I could just get you to tell me your name, Shane, so I can make sure the audio is working. Yes, that's Shane Malach. Shane Malach. Aha, uh -huh, there we go. Now yep. I know how to pronounce your last name too. <laughs> <laughs> G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 89 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Shane Malach from Thrive Themes. Some of you will know him because you're using the Thrive Content Builder plugin for WordPress, which is awesome. We get lots of good feedback about that in the WP Elevation forums. Thrive Themes also have amazing, beautiful WordPress themes. They also have a list building plugin called Thrive Leads, which used to be called Hybrid Connect, I believe. And uh, Shane has a background in selling information products and software. He was co-founder of SE Cockpit, uh, the search engine keyword research tool. And they grew that from zero to a seven-figure revenue business in just 15 months. Uh, he then got into the WordPress space with a couple of plugins, Viral Quiz Builder and WP Shareley uh, and Hybrid Connect. And that has all now uh, come to a head and he has relaunched it all as Thrive Themes and that is his, num is his number one focus. They have a team of 19 staff scattered throughout Eastern Europe and Southeast Asia. It's a fascinating journey that Shane has been on from uh, literally dropping out of college and starting his journey as an entrepreneur. And he talks a lot about the grind in this episode. That is just never giving up until you achieve what it is you want to achieve. Now, this week's episode, Shane is giving away very generously a copy of the Thrive Leads plugin, which is valued at $97. It is a list building plugin for WordPress. Enter this competition, just leave us a comment underneath this episode of the podcast with any feedback at all about this episode. There's no particular question or theme this week. Shane just wants to hear any kind of feedback at all on the episode, whether it's on Thrive Themes or their products or Shane's journey or what we're doing at WP Elevation or video user manuals, whatever. Just come and give us some feedback. Leave us a comment underneath the episode, which you can find at wpelevation.com slash Shane Malach, which is spelled S-H-A-N-E-M-E-L-A-U-G-H. Even if you want to leave a comment and tell me that I'm pronouncing his name very poorly, uh, <laughs> uh, any kind of criticism and feedback and input is welcome, as long as it's constructive. So come and leave us a comment and Shane will swing by in a couple of weeks and award that prize of the Thrive Leads list building plugin valued at $97. If you've ever wanted to know what goes into building WordPress products, this episode is for you. It's fascinating. Uh, it's uh, brutal at times and it's full of the truth. Shane is about as authentic as they come and I learned a lot from this interview. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the only way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. The original plugin from 2008 that puts video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, how to use WooCommerce, SEO by Yoast, how to use Gravity Forms, and how to set up and read their Google Analytics reports. Of course, all the videos and the written manual are updated with every stable release of WordPress, and you can now use our short codes to embed our videos on your own membership site and sell access to that membership site. That's right, you can create your own membership site and use all of our videos as a way of adding premium content to your membership site. 
The video user manuals plugin is $24 a month or $240 a year. And you can take the video user manuals plugin for a spin on all of your client sites for just $1 for your first 30 days by going to videousermanuals.com slash podcast. That's videousermanuals.com slash podcast. And you'll be able to access the plugin there for just $1 for your first month. Support for WP Elevation also comes from Audible. Audible has over 180,000 titles in their library of audiobooks. I love audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks whenever I'm not listening to podcasts. You can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a free 30-day trial by visiting wpelevation.com slash audible. That's wpelevation.com slash audible. Download a free audiobook right now and get a free 30-day trial of Audible and start enjoying audiobooks when you're not listening to our podcast. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me Shane Malach. Hey, Shane, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me, Troy. Thank you very much for being on the show. For those that don't know, Shane is the brains and the man behind Thrive Themes, conversion-focused WordPress themes and plugins. We're going to talk uh, a lot more about that in detail. I've been following Shane on the internet for quite a few years now, watching some of the first videos that um, that he was publishing, and a lot of our members are talking about the Thrive Content Builder and how much they love using it, um, so I'm very uh, chuffed and honoured to, to have you on the podcast. Um and very generously, Shane is giving away a copy of the uh, Thrive plugin, which is called Thrive Leads, which is a list building plugin that's valued at $97. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Hey, Shane, before we start geeking off about all things WordPress and internet entrepreneur, um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, various things, like like most kids probably. I think the, the one that stuck for the longest is that I wanted to be a pilot, uh-huh. Um, and mainly I wanted to be a pilot just because I wanted to fly a jet. Uh-huh. <laughs> that seemed like a cool thing to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the one that was, most, was the most persistent thing I wanted to be when I was a kid. Did you, ever, did you ever pursue that at all? Did you ever like go and do any flight lessons or stuff? Uh, well, I actually, I, take, I took the very first steps to, there's like a qualification process for becoming a military pilot. And I took the, like the very first steps as a teenager in that process. But, uh, you know, like I took like the first two out of probably a thousand steps or so right. towards that before it became clear that I wasn't actually going to be a pilot. Right. Uh, and so when did, when did you discover the internet and, and realize that uh, it was an idea worth pursuing? Well, as a consumer, I discovered it, I think, fairly early on. I, I can't even tell you what year this was, but... I remember, you know, I went to one of the first places in, in, in the town I grew up in where you could pay them like five bucks or something to, to use the internet. Uh-huh. Um, and so as a consumer, I think I was, I was fairly early to it. But as a, as a business, um, as like a business opportunity, it was much, much later. So I was intimidated by technical stuff. Um, so even, you know, I started entrepreneurial stuff before I kind of discovered the internet and discovered that as an option oh. because I always had the, I always felt like, you know, I, I, I'm the kind of person, I'm really bad at maths. You know, I was really bad at maths in school and stuff. I was always kind of bad at the technical stuff. So I had this idea that I can't, um, you know, I can't 
do an online business because that's too complicated essentially. Right. So it was it was much later before I actually started like using the internet for my business. Wow. So so what were you doing offline? What kind of businesses were you were you, were you building and involved in offline? Well, for for a brief period I was I was trying to establish myself as like a um a coach for um presentations and and you know uh, basically speaking in front of an audience kind of thing uh-huh. that didn't really go anywhere um and i tried a few other things that just never you know that basically i have nothing to show for and at some point i was selling uh, computers and computer hardware and that was also how i transitioned online because i then you know transitioned into into managing a, an e-commerce store and kind of figured out that maybe it's not that difficult after all to, to do this stuff online. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was pretty much, the, I think the first word, uh, the first website I ever built was was already on WordPress and that would have been maybe six years ago. Right. And uh, was it kind of instant, like were you instantly thinking, I need to start building products to add on to WordPress or were you just no. using WordPress to do client sites? No, I was uh, not client sites either. I was just using it at the time. I was using it to build um, affiliate websites. So that was one of the first things I did. I just built these websites um, where I would uh, basically do some keyword research, find a topic with opportunities, build a website, and then try to rank for some keywords and try to get some clicks on affiliate links. Right. Ah, yes. Those good old days. I remember. Yes. How Yes. How did that work out? Well, it, it was okay for a while. I mean, it, you know, it was a, there was a learning curve to it, but I made I made a decent amount of money at some point, like a few years into that. Uh-huh. I made a decent amount of money from basically SEO traffic to affiliate products. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I I was already started transitioning into creating my own products, and I became much more interested in that. Mm. And uh, one of the you know one of the panda or penguin updates or, or whatever pretty much eliminated all of my <laughs> affiliate income and at that point i had no interest to to rebuild it because i was just much more into building my own products and doing things that way so right and so why were you uh, i'm curious as to uh, because building your own products is not an easy task <laughs> mm. uh, but you obviously saw some benefit in having control of the product rather than just being an affiliate. What what was the final straw that kind of broke the camel's back, so to speak? What was the final reason that you said, you know what, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to make our own products? Well, I think it was just a more attractive idea to me, uh, you know, just as it is without, without any extra reasons, just because I generally like, uh, I, I just, I really like creating things. Mm. And, and this is still something that I think is quite important in, in the business I do now. You know, I've, I don't pursue the business just as this is a way to generate money. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I want much more than to make more money is, is to, to make excellent products. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that, you know, in my business is I very often I don't make the choice that is the shortest path to the most money. Mm-hmm. If because there are certainly many opportunities, I mean, along the way, I've had many opportunities where I could have I could have done that. For example, when I was just starting to gain a bit of a name and a reputation, you know, for for creating information products, which is what I started out with, mm-hmm. this this whole wave was coming along where basically everyone was launching a two thousand dollar product, right? Mm. 
you, I mean, almost every week you had someone doing one of these and all, always the same pattern and they were launching mostly rubbish products mm -hmm. and the price tag was usually $2,000. And this was a point, for example, where I could easily have said, I could join, I could join this wave. I could probably easily make an information product that is, that is better than most of this stuff that these people are selling. I could do the same kind of launch. I could get on board with this, you know, I get into these circles or cross promoting each other and I could do my million dollar launch. I could probably have done that. There was a very clear and present opportunity for me to do that, but I didn't want to do that. That's, that's not, you know, I didn't want to play that game. I didn't want to associate myself with the people who were doing this. And I wanted to create something you know, good and valuable much more than I wanted to jump on this opportunity to make a lot of money. So uh, it's, it's, I'm curious as to the mindset that's around that, because as you said, it is the, the longer road and the harder road. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's very unusual. I mean, most people would just be, I mean, well, certainly most people that I come into contact with and that ask me for advice around this kind of stuff, they're, they're looking to make money now, like they're looking for the fastest route to making some cash. What, mm. what why did you play, what, you know, why did you choose to play the long game from, from day one? Well, I mean, it depends on what you want in life, right? If you, and, and one thing is clear, look, if you, if you don't have enough money right now, then it's very difficult to focus on anything, but make enough money. And I've been in that situation myself, right? For, for a long time, I was, I was never like really poor. I wasn't living out of a dumpster or anything, but for a long time I was scraping by, right? I was, I didn't have, I, you know, I was, for a long time I, I kind of uh, built up savings. I was always very careful with my money, but then at some point, you know, I'd just eaten through all of those savings. I was just like barely making enough money to stay, uh, to basically, you know, feed myself every month. And it was, for a long time, you know, I was like, I had to, this is for me, this is like the sign of not having enough money is when I, is when I, is when I buy food. And the main thing I look for is like, how much, how many calories can I buy for the lowest amount possible? <laughs> right. Like, and that's, that's the situation I was in for a long time. And in that situation, it's the, really the only thing you can focus on is I just want to make money, right? I just need more money so that I don't have to worry about money all the bloody time. Uh -huh. But for me, it's very clear that, you know, there's a threshold for, you know, once you have enough money where that's no longer your main worry, mm -hmm. um, where it's, where you just know, yeah, I can, you know, I can pay rent. I can feed myself. This is something would have to go catastrophically wrong for that to be at risk again. Mm -hmm. So, and as soon as you have that, you have to ask yourself, what, what do you really want? Do you really want more money? Well, what do you want more money for, right? So I think you come to a point where you have to ask yourself, like, basically, what's the meaning of it all, right? What do I actually want of this? Mm. And for me, the answer is clearly not, I just, I don't want to accumulate money. And one of the reasons I don't want to accumulate money is because there aren't that many things that I want to buy. You know, for example, like the idea of living in a huge mansion or driving a super expensive car, that doesn't really tickle me very much. Like, I don't, that's not something worth working towards for me. Mm. So what do I really want? Well, for me, there are a few things I want to do and uh, yeah, I, want, I want to build good and meaningful businesses. I want to build a business that, that makes a positive difference to as many people as possible. That's something that's much more important to me than adding uh, money to my bank account. Mm. Interesting. I do want to come back and revisit uh, some of that in, an, in, a, in a little while. Um, but let's just get to know a little bit more about 
kind of where you are today. How, how do you describe what you do in one sentence? Uh, well, you kind of already gave it away. At Thrive Themes, we create conversion-focused plugins and right. WordPress themes. So if I can get a second sentence to that, what that means is the way we differentiate ourselves is that the job that our software products do is help you make more money, mm -hmm. right? Is help you grow your business. So it's not about whatever chasing the latest design fad or whatever. It's, it's about making your business more effective. That's our focus. Mm. And so is Thrive Themes, because I'm, I'm you know, doing some research and following you for quite some time now, and there are quite a few products that you've been a part of, but be it information products and software products. Is Thrive mm -hmm. Themes the sole focus that you're, that you're focusing on now? Right now, that's, that's all we're doing, yep. Right. Um, so I'm going to come back and talk about some of those other uh, products in a moment. Um, what's the uh, – so, so, so you said that you're not a developer and you're really bad at maths. What, so mm -hmm. what, what, like, what do you actually spend your time doing in the business day-to-day? That has changed quite a lot lately. Um, and right now it's, it's kind of a split between, on the one hand, there's strategic work. So that's things like market research and, and basically listening to the market, interviewing customers and stuff like that to figure out the strategy for where, what direction should our products go in, what features should we build next or products should we build next and so on. So that's like strategic work. Uh, then there's a marketing work. I do a lot of video marketing. So that's things like writing video scripts, recording videos, editing videos, and so on. Uh, and then also stuff like writing blog posts and writing sales copy and creating funnels, things like that, just marketing work, right? And then the third part is management. So just managing people and systems and processes and all that. And really, you know, for, for the, so lately, it's kind of, there's, there's clearly too much work to do. And I always, whatever is the most urgent at the moment is the one that, you know, takes up most of my time. Right. Uh, so how, so what, how big is your team at the moment? How many people working in, in the Thrive Themes organization? In total, it's 19 people now. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> Man, that's, uh, do you, do you like, do you, do you like every now and then just kind of sit back and go, whoa, how did this happen? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the, the growth of the team uh, happened quite quickly, but from the inside, all of this, even fast growth from the inside doesn't feel that fast. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to come back and talk a little bit about the progress because it's been really interesting from the outside to watch. I mean, I've been following you for quite some time and, you know, like way before Hybrid Connect. So it's really interesting to mm -hmm. kind of see your, your journey. And I do want to talk a little bit, bit, more, little bit more about that in a moment. Um, What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night about the business? Well, I think the, the main thing is just uncertainty, right? I'm, I'm very aware that the future is uncertain. And like I said, I have big plans, right? I have, uh, there are big things I want to accomplish in the WordPress space, but also big things I want to accomplish outside of that. And, and everything I do now, I have like a stepping stone strategy, essentially, where you know, everything I'm doing now for me is a stepping stone to something I want to do later as well. And um, I think that the thing that I worry most about is just that, you know, there are clear opportunities out there that I currently can't pursue because I'm busy with what I'm doing right now. Mm. And there's no way of knowing whether these opportunities will disappear any moment or there's just, just no way of knowing. And I feel like I'm in a hurry because I want to do great things. There are clearly opportunities to do great things right now, but I don't know if these opportunities will still be around by the time I'm ready for them. Mm. 
Interesting. Um, <laughs> I I, uh, I hear exactly what you're saying. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you do when you're not working? How do you stay sane? Well, I'm not very good at the not working thing, <laughs> but um, the the one thing that I've consistently always been doing next to work, no matter how busy I get, is some form of exercise. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's mostly uh, just lifting weights and and sometimes running and things like that. Mm. But that's like the one thing that, you know, that I'm not willing to compromise is just some basic level of, of, you know, taking care of myself and making sure I get exercise. And I also enjoy, I enjoy exercise very much. Mm. Apart from that, you know, I've, I've taken up various hobbies. I've tried various things and, uh, but usually, you know, it's the kind of thing where, for example, for a long time, I used to train martial arts a mm. lot mm-hmm. and, I'd still like to do that, but it's just never high enough on the list of priorities, right? Like I'd like to go train some martial arts, but I really need to do this business thing right now. <laughs> so that's that's been the story of my life for the last few years. And uh, final question about kind of the, the, the sort of the current situation um, before we dig into you, the, the journey here. If you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing about the business right now, what would it be? It would be the difficulty of finding really excellent people to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, you know, we have systems and and strategies in place now where I know that a certain level of quality of whatever developer, designer, or, or whatever it is, right? If we could get this kind of person, uh, if we could get five of them, it almost doesn't matter what they would cost, right? There's almost no upper limit to how much I would pay these extremely high performing people because I know that I can get a positive return on them, but it's extremely difficult to find mm. that level of performer. Mm. Yep, uh, it sure is. Uh, where, so where are your staff based? You, you guys are a distributed team. You have staff in all yep. sorts of different places, yeah? Well, they're mostly based in Romania. So most of the developers and designers are in Romania. Mm-hmm. And then we also have some support staff in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's like the, the main two bases, I would say. Um, how do you? Uh, what do you use to communicate with the with the remote team? Skype mostly. So right. we use Skype for actual communication, and we use Jira for project management. Ah, which one's that? G G I R R A Jira Atlassian or Jira? I'm not sure oh, how yeah, it's supposed gotcha. to be pronounced. Okay. Yep. Jira or Jira? Yep, yep. another one. <laughs> Uh, cool. I just, you know, I know, I mean, myself and most of our audience, we're just, you know, shiny widget junkies. So any, <laughs> any new yeah. tool to go try it is always fun. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, before Thrive Themes. And I, I can't remember exactly how it was that I first came across you, but I think it, uh, look, I think it was, you know what? I think it was Viral Quiz Builder mm-hmm. um, was the first product that I saw of yours. And the thing that and so then, you know, of course, when you discover someone, you just kind of go digging and you find out everything that they're up to and what they're involved in. But the thing that, before we talk about actual products, the thing that really um, kind of blew me away when I first discovered you was how just unhypey you were in your videos. Um, there were these, mm-hmm. I remember watching these videos where you were just talking directly to the camera and it was like, uh, and I remember thinking, you know, this guy couldn't try harder not to sell me this thing. He's just telling me, like he's telling me about the product, but he's actually not trying to sell it to me. And th- by the way, I'm trying to pay you a compliment here. <laughs> well, yes. And in, in, a, in, a, in a world where, you know, back in those days, this would have been, I don't know how long ago, but I'm, I want to say like three or four years ago. And 
everyone was so hypey about what they were doing. And you just seemed really understated and just really calm and really cool about what you were doing. And when you said at the start of this call that you were, you were, you know, coaching people through public speaking and presenting, that kind of makes perfect sense because you seemed very confident in what you were saying without actually pitching or selling it. And I think that's a rare skill for someone to have. Do, is that something that you were conscious of or is that, does that just, is that just your natural disposition? Well, in, in, uh, you know, I think it's a bit of both, right? I, I am naturally not a super excited bouncing off the walls kind of person. Um, but it's also a conscious decision. And, and so I call this, you know, I call this face level communication. Mm-hmm. And for me, this is something that I do this. That's a deliberate choice I make in, in all of the, basically in all of the material I create. So that includes sales material and, um, and, you know, blog posts and videos and so on. I, I always make sure that I'm communicating with my audience at a face level because, um, you know, one of the problems with, with the way a lot of selling is done and also a lot of teaching is done is that essentially it establishes a hierarchy between the presenter and the audience where mm. it's very clear, like, you know, I'm the boss, I'm the expert, I'm the one you should listen to, I'm the authority, you should be impressed with me. And you should shut up and listen and agree with everything I say, because it's essentially, it's almost like, you know, the parent child kind of thing where it's like, because I'm your daddy, what I say is true and you should just, you know, shut up and believe me. Yeah. And, uh, and this is not a very nice way of communicating with people. And it's also not a good way of communicating with the kinds of people that I want to appeal to in my business. Right. So, uh, I know that, of course, this kind of thing where you just like you shout out all this hype and then you tell people to buy something that works for a certain market segment, but that is not the market segment that my products are made for. Mm. And if I create a pitch like that, um, I could still sell, but I would sell to the wrong people because the the kinds of people that, that my products are made for would just feel like I'm insulting their intelligence if I did that, right? So that is that is a very deliberate choice I make, yeah. So how did, how did you know that – it's interesting that you talk about the kind of segment of the audience that you want to attract. When a lot of people start out, they're, they're just like, well, you know, I've got this amazing product and you ask, well, who's your target audience? And they're like, well, everyone. Like everyone can benefit from my product, so I'm just going to sell this to everyone. How did you figure out early on that that wasn't possible and, and you, you, it sounded like you decided consciously to hone in on a particular segment of the audience? Weren't you – afraid of missing out on the other people in the audience that you weren't going to attract? I, I must have, I mean, I'm sure I made this mistake as well, but I think by the time I moved online, I'd already like made that mistake, learned my lesson and, and wasn't doing it anymore. Right. So I, I already knew kind of uh, about the audience thing. And it's also, you know, I mean, one of the important things again, and I think this is also, I guess where, where what I do is maybe a bit different from what a lot of people in the space do. It's the question is not just how can I make the most money? Because if I ask myself, how can I make the most money? I would probably invest a lot less money in, in developing the products, right? I could, because I could create some much more basic product mm. and I would invest a lot more time into creating this amazing sales pitch and I would make it more hypey and more like shut off your brain and give me your money mm. kind of thing. And I would play the whole affiliate game and cross promote with everyone, no matter how rubbish their products are and all that. Mm. And 
that would certainly be a way to make more money. But then I also have to ask myself, do I want to be involved in that business? Like, do I want to be the person I would need to be to do that? Mm. And the answer is no. I, I don't want to sell this kind of product to this kind of audience because I can't relate to this kind of audience. And I'd always have to play this role. I'd always have to play this role of, hey, here's your guru again with the latest thing you have to buy. Mm. I don't want to be that guy, mm. right? And you can't pay me to be that guy either. Mm. So on the one hand, it is a question of, of yeah, you know, be having the wisdom to not try to appeal to everyone and so on. But it's on the other hand, it's also about realizing this is about more than just making as much money as possible. I want to run the kind of business that I want to run that I can be proud of. And I want to not have to pretend to be someone else every time I get in front of the camera or every time I communicate with my audience, right? So one of the reasons I'm selecting this type of audience is because I tend to be interested in, in a more complex uh, kind of a product, right? That for someone who's just like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I've read that I can get rich on the internet. How do I do that? <laughs> that is, the products I create are far too complex for someone like that, right? Uh, the products I create have a certain level of, of like complexity and, and, and technicality to them uh, that makes them appeal to people who have, you know, who actually have a website and who actually know how to operate the website and who actually know a bit about marketing and so on. They can appreciate the stuff that we build into our products. Um, and, and that's the kind of person that I am. That's the kind of, you know, that's the way I think about products and the way I think about my business. So I would rather appeal to a smaller group of people who share these values and think in a similar way. And I can actually build a community and I can actually, you know, enjoy what I'm doing. Um, yeah, because, of, because I'm kind of, I, it gives me an opportunity to, to be more authentic in, in my marketing and in my communication. Yeah, I I totally uh, totally agree with uh, everything you're saying, and I think I you know I flirted with the idea of making an information product once that I knew nothing about, and I was just the presenter essentially for someone else's content, and mm -hmm. um, I was about to launch it, and I pulled the pin on the whole uh, business deal because I just felt like every time I made a video, I felt like I needed to go and have a cold shower and just wash it off me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So is this why is this kind of why you've transitioned away from the information products and moved into software? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think you know you can do information products well as well. Like I think information products get a bad rap mm -hmm. because because of the whole, you know, uh, I'll teach you how to make money online kind of information product yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Or I'll teach you the magical way to lose weight or something. Mm. So certainly, there's a lot of you know, that kind of thing going on, but it, you don't have to do that uh, when you're doing information products. So there's nothing, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with information products. Software is just a lot more interesting and more fascinating to me. Um, and, th and there's also, yeah, I think there's also, uh, on the one hand, what attracted me is just, I wanted to build software. I wanted that challenge. And I, I had these ideas that I wanted to bring into reality but and there's also the, a business opportunity it's kind of a different market and there's a different level of opportunity with uh with software than than with information products you are uh, one of the first um uh one of the first software products if i'm not mistaken that you were involved in with was se cockpit is that right 
Yeah. So how did that come about? How did that partnership with, with Sam come about? And how did you grow that? How did you grow SE Cockpit so quickly? Uh, so <clears throat> Sam basically found one of my free information products, which was about keyword research. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time I was doing all this keyword research and SEO stuff, like I said at the beginning. And, um, and yeah, this is one of the things where I just noticed, you know, almost everyone who was teaching keyword research didn't actually understand keyword research. Mm. And so I made this uh, free information product to explain what was actually going on and how you could actually do proper keyword research. And Sam was one of the few people who also understood this. Uh, and he started building this prototype of SE Cockpit, which was a keyword research tool, which uh, basically this is one of the kind of shocking things, right? And I don't know, by the way, I don't know what this space looks like today, but you know, a few years ago when we were doing this, you could spend a lot of money on a keyword research tool that would essentially give you completely useless results. So because of the way they did the analysis, you might as well just flip a coin. It, you, you, because, th- and that's one of the that's one of the deceptive things, right? About about like data and analysis. You can you can run an analysis on something, and you know get charts and graphs and data and ratings and stuff that looks very um, specific and authoritative, and it can be a hundred percent wrong. And that was happening with almost all the, especially with the most successful keyword research tools that people were using. It was providing you with a level of analysis that looked like it was doing something important, but the results were completely useless. And so Sam was one of the few people who realized this and he built this prototype of a keyword research tool that actually did the right kind of keyword analysis, which happens to be technically extremely difficult and he did a really good job at this. And he found me through this information product. And um, we basically just got to chatting about this. He showed me his his product at some point. And he was in the situation that a lot of entrepreneurs are in, where he's like, uh, in perpetual, I'm going to launch it soon mode. Um, uh, but it's never, but he's never actually pulling the trigger. And that's where our collaboration started because, because at that point I'd already launched a couple of products. And I said, you know, I actually, I can actually make a launch happen, right? So you can just keep building this product. I'll actually make this happen. I'll actually launch it. And and yeah, I was involved there for about two years, I think. I just basically helped this business get off the ground. And I mean, how did we do it? We had an excellent product and I spent almost all my time doing the marketing for it. Uh, it's an enormous amount of work on the product side and on the marketing side. And it was a success. But I think... That is the fairest answer I can give because, of course, if you're listening to this, you want to know the special trick that we used to get so many customers. There was no special trick. There was thousands of hours of work on the product and marketing side. Mm. And it was a huge grind. And there was no one thing that was like a huge breakthrough and all of a sudden we had a million customers. There was no such thing. It was just a massive grind sustained over about two years. How are you getting people into, I mean, you know, this is probably, you know, before everyone was talking about marketing funnels. How are you getting people interested in the product to begin with? Because it's a paid product, right? So it's not like you can just throw ads up on Google or Facebook and drive them to a page and ask them to put their credit card in. You've got to, you know, capture those leads and build relationship and build trust before you ask for the sale. What did that look like for you guys back in whenever it was? When did you launch? When when was SE Cockpit? It was like 2010, was it? I'm... I think so, yeah, but I I wouldn't even know right. myself. Anyway. So how how are you how are you generating leads and and nurturing them back in those days? 
Well, our main channel was webinars. So we do webinars where we where we would teach, and, and this is one of the good opportunities with this product as well, because on the webinar, we'd simply teach, look, here's here's how you actually do keyword research, and here's why what everybody else is telling you about keyword research is wrong. And we did this in a way, like this was my main thing for this webinar, is I wanted people to actually understand, like logically understand, not believe me, right? Not believe me that my method is superior. I wanted them to logically understand why the most commonly taught keyword research method can't possibly lead to useful results. And that was the main objective in the webinar. And if I could get them to understand that, then even if they left without becoming customers, I would have provided some really good value to mm. these people. And then the tie-in to the product is is perfect because we can say, hey, you know, now you know this, you probably realize that all these other keyword research tools are not helping you. Mm. And it just so happens that we built one that does help you. Mm. Um, but it was, so that was a very good opportunity. And, it, and in fact, you know, in terms of marketing, that is an opportunity that I always look for is if there is, um, if there is something, if there's basically a misconception or a myth that is very prevalent in your market, that is a great way to establish yourself, um, is to ex simply explain why the thing that you believe right now about this must be wrong. Mm. It's a great way to, to provide value and also establish yourself as an authority, right? So that was our, yeah, that was our main thing. We got people on this webinar and, um, we also had a couple of, you know, like free reports, like free uh, SEO related reports that we that we used to build a mailing list. And again, from this mailing list, the main conversion thing was was using the webinar. And so you're using webinars to convert people into paying customers. And mm -hmm. so I'm just going to make a leap of faith here and say, is that is that where the idea for putting together an information product, I'm referring to Webinar Eclipse, where you're yeah. teaching people how to do this, is that where that kind of idea came from? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that seemed like an obvious uh, thing to do. And because I had, especially right when I made Webinar Eclipse, I was still doing webinars on a very regular basis. And I had done like hundreds of webinars mm. and I hadn't done an information product in a while. So I decided to to just kind of package up everything I'd learned and, and turn that into an information product itself. Yeah, mm. uh, It's really good, by the way. I, I bought Webinar Eclipse uh, a long time ago and it was fabulous. <laughs> I st strongly recommend it. And I'm not an affiliate. I strongly recommend it to anyone. It's a really good course. When I first started out, I didn't know how to run webinars and it taught me a lot. Um, so thank you for that. Um, so I want to, uh, and so the other the other kind of information product uh, info product that you had out was video marketing blueprints. And again, was that was that just kind of because what I'm seeing here is you, you have this ability to kind of, you know, I, I learned this from the guys that wrote re, uh, rework, the guys from um, mm. Thirty Seven Signals, uh, mm. of course, make Basecamp the software. They wrote this book called Rework, and one of the things they talk about is have a look at what's lying around the office, <laughs> and. And how can you package that up into something else? And of course, they did it very well with Ruby on Rails. So they actually invented and developed a whole new development framework when they built Basecamp uh, mm -hmm. called Ruby on Rails. And then Ruby on Rails became like a byproduct of of what they built. So what I'm seeing here is that you have this ability to kind of go, well, I've learned all this stuff about X, Y, Z. Maybe we could now package that up and and put that up as a separate product. And kind of, you, you're not leaving stuff just lying around the floor. You're actually leveraging all of your knowledge and information to um, to bring in more people to your your sphere of influence. Yeah, that's for a while with the information products. That's that's 
basically exactly what I did, yes. Um, and it's also, you know, there's not necessarily, this isn't necessarily like a planned genius move on my part. It's also just that people kept asking me about these things, right? So the video product, I mean, people are basically begging me to make a video product because they were seeing um, how I was making videos all the time and they were enjoying these videos and they were thinking, well, you know, I wish I could make a sales video like this. I wish I could make a great, you know, content video for my membership product or whatever like this. And they were just asking me, that was one of the most requested things is like, hey, can you make a course? Because they'd also, so it's basically a combination between they see that I'm good at something and also they maybe bought one of my previous courses and they've seen that, you know, they, they liked my style of teaching and so on. So they say, hey, if this guy could teach me that other thing, that would be great. And so it's really, the main thing really is just listening, is just listening to the market, right? And, and just doing what you're being asked to do, essentially. Mm. And so then at some point you, you start um, kind of moving into software. And I think, so I think from memory, you know, I want to say that Viral Quiz Builder was like the first thing that I came across. Um, yeah. Was that the first WordPress plugin product that you'd, uh, that you'd built? It might have been the first one we released or something. The thing is, so my, my, the road to software development was a very rocky one for me. And I was sure that I wanted to develop software and I had some ideas for software products, but I had no idea how to manage software development, how to find people to do it and so on. I had no idea. Um, and so what happened was I, I basically, well, at first I had like one idea and that was HyperConnect. HyperConnect was my, basically my earliest idea um, for a software product that I actually pursued. And I hired some, I hired some company to, to build this for me. And of course, you know, one of the mistakes I made is that I had no idea how to write specifications for a software product. And so I handed them some pitiful document about what this product should do. And they delivered something that wasn't good. <laughs> and so we immediately stopped uh, because that was, you know, it was so bad that it clearly it was beyond saving. So uh, I ended that immediately. I, I hired another team to try and do the same thing. They also delivered something that wasn't really working and they were too expensive. So we stopped that as well. And it, it kind of kept going like this. I, I tried hired, hiring individual people. I tried hiring companies. I tried finding out like, how can I make this a reality, right? How can I make this, turn this into an actual product? And this went on for a long, long time. And at one point I actually just cranked out specifications for about five different small products and, and hired, you know, various teams and people thinking, you know, I'm just going to throw all this out at the wall and one of them must stick, right? One of them must and be the right solution. And I just tried all these different ways of finding people and of managing people and so on. And really none of it worked. Quite frankly, none of it worked. So yeah, that was, that was like a long road. I lost a lot of money. I lost a lot of money doing this, but I was just determined that I was going to make this happen. And um, yeah, eventually, so I ended up working with one um, contractor who, who was doing a pretty good job um, we churned through, I don't know how many designers, that was horrible. Um, and I also ended up working with Paul McCarthy, who is now my business partner. Um, and he also did a lot of development work in the beginning. So he, he's more in a management position now, but when we started out, he was doing a lot of heavy lifting just with development itself. 
but it was very, very chaotic. And so I think Viral Quiz Builder might have been the first product we actually released. But at the time, we had already been struggling and trying to release Hybrid Connect for ages. Um, and then that was another product that we that we released. But yeah, I mean, this is all of this was very, very painful, basically. <laughs> and so a couple of things. Uh, you picked the WordPress um, space to build themes and plugins. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is an obvious question, but is, is that just because you saw the the growth and the market share that WordPress was was gaining that you wanted to tap into that audience? Yeah, and it's also what I use, right? I mean, all the products I create, I I believe in getting immersed in a market, right? So <clears throat> I'm never going to build a product that I'm not a customer of, essentially. And with WordPress, that's very much the case, right? I build my own websites on WordPress and I I build websites with a marketing purpose. And so I am myself a customer for this kind of product. And of course, you know, if I, if I had been, uh, let's say, if I had for some reason used whatever... Uh, Joomla to build my websites, then I, I would have probably first transitioned and looked at, well, the WordPress market is clearly much bigger. So, but I would have first transitioned all of my own work and all of my websites to WordPress mm. so that I am immersed in this market and really understand what's going on. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a two-sided decision. On the one hand, yeah, the market is great. It's growing, it's huge and so on. On the other hand, it's also what I myself am using and that's that's quite important. Um, question about, uh, and that's so obviously, you know, um, you, you know, vir- uh, viral quiz builder, uh, and then hybrid connect, uh, uh, which is now, um, uh, which is now thrive leads, if I'm not mistaken, hybrid connect mm-hmm. has become thrive leads, right? Um, mm-hmm. and so, so then, and, and then I remember at some point you kind of reinvented yourself or kind of rebranded as thrive themes. Um, yeah, and, and for me at that stage, it was like, okay, now you've gone all in. You, and was that mm-hmm. was that a result of the partnership with Paul? Um, no, that didn't happen immediately. So this was we were we were doing all this struggling with software products and churning away, and there were several like big projects that we were working towards where we knew this is one of the things we want to do at some point in the future. And I remember we just had um, we just finished something, I think this might have been after the, the WP Shirley launch or something, where we were like, okay, we've finished another project, let's think about what, what should we do next. And I remember saying like, okay, you know, one of the bigger projects that I've been wanting to start at some point is the idea of a WordPress theme club, um, and, and or theme and plugins club in this case. And you know, maybe this is the thing we should go after. And we were not sure, you know, should we first, should we do a few more information products to make some more money or something to finance this whole thing? Or should we just go for it? But basically we looked at our options and we just said, well, let's just go for it. We have to start at some point. Let's do this now. And we started with the Thrive Themes project. And so I like to keep risk low in my business, right? So at this point we didn't say, okay, that's it. All chips on Thrive Themes, that's what we're doing. That's what we're dedicating our lives to. It was, okay, let's take the first step in this direction and see what happens. Because if for some reason this hadn't worked out, if for some reason it had maybe proven that I'm the only person in the world interested in conversion-focused WordPress products and nobody buys this stuff, then we would have said, okay, I guess that wasn't it. And we would have moved on to the next thing, right? So at that point, it it wasn't the plan that this was going to be, um, this is going to be all in. But then we launched the first version of Thrive Content Build. That was a huge success. And we launched the Thrive Themes um, 
a few months later, that was a, a massive success. So they, we got a clear signal from the market of people saying, this is what we want. And that was then an opportunity for us to say, okay, I guess this is what we should focus on. Um, uh, you know, there's no point right now in pursuing other projects. Um, and so what did that mean in terms of, because one of the questions I have here for you was around support in terms of, um, you know, focusing on thrive themes and developing a whole bunch of themes. I mean, I don't know how many themes you've got in the theme club now, but there, there, you know, it's more than one, which, <laughs> well, yes. which I imagine supporting one theme is problematic enough. Um, you've got, uh, the landing page, uh, uh, templates, you've got the content builder plugin, you've got Thrive Leads. How do you how do you handle support? I know that you've got a team, uh, you know, between Eastern Europe and Southeast Asia uh, working mm-hmm. for you. How, like, what are the mechanics behind support? Do you use a particular help desk system or how do you – because I, I imagine you must just be – one of the reasons that our business has not gone into this space is because, frankly, we are petrified of the support. Yeah. Okay. So distributed software such as WordPress um, – software is very support intensive. So you're not wrong about that, right? And, you know, one of the, so basically one of the biggest problems you face as a WordPress developer is that no matter how solid your product is, no matter how well programmed and bug free it is, it will be installed on websites that have a million other plugins on them. Mm-hmm. And and, and this really happens quite often because basically anyone can write a WordPress plugin, right? Mm-hmm. And it happens quite often that you'll have a, a WordPress plugin that just breaks everything. That basically, it's like, you know, uh, what's it? A, a bull in the China shop, right? It just mm-hmm. wrecks everything around it. And then someone installs our plugin and our plugin doesn't work because of some massive conflict that's being caused by this other plugin. But of course, it's our fault, right? So... So this is one of the issues that you you have to not just you know write clean software and fix your own problems. You also have to deal with a lot of support that comes um, basically from other you know from other sources that are outside of your control. So yeah, it is very support intensive. And uh, well, we used we use Freshdesk in part right now, which is decent. And but we also set up a support forum with a lot of you know custom features essentially that we built ourselves. Mm. So in our membership area, we have a support forum, we have a support team working there and we've got various, you know, features that help the support team basically find the most urgent requests and log issues and stuff like that. And, um, but again, you know, I mean, there's no like great secret to how we do support. We, we hire enough people and we, we managed to find someone who, um, who does a really good job at, you know, leading and managing the support team, which was hard to find. It took a long time to find someone who was capable of doing that. And also with support, I have to say, you know, there's a lot of just long hours and a lot of um, heartbreak on the part of myself and Paul. I mean, (laughs) uh, we spent hours upon hours upon hours of our lives doing support ourselves. Wow. um, Just because that was, that was necessary. So yeah, again, I'm, I know I kind of, this is, this is often like the message I repeat, but it's, it's very true. I know that it would be much more attractive. I could say, oh yeah, we use this amazing software. It does everything for us. No, no, it is. We have a pretty good support system now. I'm I'm very proud of, of like the support work that's being done by our team. This is the result of an enormous, intimidatingly enormous mountain of work that Mm. we have managed to chew through. Mm. I want to talk about two things. Um, uh, just before we wrap up, one is um, 
the grind, which I'll talk about in a moment. But first of all, I want to know where, how do you, like, who do you reach out to, to learn this stuff? Like we've all got teachers and we've all got mentors and we've all got, in fact, I've learned a lot from following your stuff over the last few years. And I want to thank you for that. I know people have learned a lot from following the stuff that I put out. I've got other people that I reach out to. Who are your kind of go-to people that you reach out to and follow and, and, and consume their content if you want to learn something about the online marketing space? Um, well, mainly I'd have to, I'd have to point towards books. So mm. books have been very important in my life. Um, and for example, I mean, in, in the last year or so, I think the most important books I've read that have really helped shape the way I run the company are, uh, the books by Jim Collins, specifically, um, good to great and great by choice. Uh, yeah. Those are just amazing books. Yep. And and those are the ones that are, you know, like the freshest in my mind right now. But over the years, I've always done a lot of reading and there's just always been uh, sources just from books where something, you know, would open my eyes or really change the way I look at this and really change the way I run my business. Yeah. Uh, good advice. I, I'm an avid reader myself and um, I actually know, um, I think I've read Good to Great. I haven't read Great by Choice, but it is on my list. In fact, I think it's sitting on my uh, bookshelf behind me. So I need to pull that off yeah. and put it on top of my list. The other thing I want to talk about is grind. You talk about grind a lot. In fact, you, you, I'm pretty sure you mm -hmm. wrote a blog post about it um, somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. T uh, tell mm -hmm. me why is grind, why do you think grind is important um, and and why uh, you know, what is, what, how do you define the grind and why do you think it's something that we should be reading more about and paying more attention to? Well, the grind is the only thing I know about life is the grind. And for me, it was the most important discovery I made in my whole life because, and the grind is, can be summarized as such. You get better at stuff that you do a lot of. That's it. Now, for me, this was an extremely important discovery because when I was in school, I was bad at school. I got bad grades. I wasn't good at socializing with kids. I was very unpopular. And I was basically in the situation where I felt like I am destined to fail because it, it looked to me like what was going on is, you know, some kids were really smart and really good at school and some kids were really cool and popular and they had everything going for them. And I didn't. And it just seemed like that's the way it is, right? You're either one of the cool kids or you're not. And I happen to not be, so I'm just destined to be an uncool kid for the rest of my life. That's what it felt like, right? And at some point I, I discovered, and I think martial arts is probably the first time I really experienced that, is that if I just put in the hours, right? I just keep practicing, I keep doing it, I keep doing it, I keep doing it. I can get better at something. And I can get better. And, and then the other part of the discovery is, so when I started practicing martial arts, I'd go to every lesson and I'd practice at home every day. I'd do my stretching exercises at home. I'd do shadow boxing at home. I'd, do, I'd practice every day. So I'd, I'd do extra work. I'd go the extra mile every day. And I noticed how I was, you know, I was basically getting better at a faster rate than anyone else. Okay. And that was, so I realized that not only can I, you know, not only am I not destined to fail, I can pick something that I want to be good at and I can just grind it out. Right. I can, because the thing is, it's not always pleasant, right? When you, when you first start doing something, you suck at it and it's not fun to suck at something. <laughs> so, so you're really bad at something and you have to do a lot of it. That's, that's very unpleasant. 
But I realized that it doesn't stay like that. You slowly get better and you just stick with it and you slowly get better and you grind through it. And the reason I call it the grind is because inevitably there will be obstacles. There will be super annoying obstacles, right? So if you say to yourself, here's an example. If you say to yourself, I want to, I want to, you know, I don't want to take up running. Mm. The mistake that most people make is, you know, they go for a run on a beautiful day and they go, yeah, that was good. I went for a run and then, you know, maybe they, they ache and hurt a bit the next day, but whatever. And they go for a run again. But then the next time your run is scheduled, it's raining and it's cold and it's horrible and you're not feeling well. And you go, well, too bad. I'm just going to postpone this. I'm going to run another day. But no, this is part of the process. There will be horrible rainy days. There will be days where you don't, you barely want to get out of bed, let alone go for a run in the rain. Mm. But this is exactly what happens. Like this is part of the process. There will be difficulties. There will be setbacks. There will be obstacles. And the only thing you can do is you can just grind through them, right? And the only thing that works is to just keep doing it. And the grind is about that. The grind is about you just keep doing it with this. You have this stubbornness, right? And it's also about, you know, going a step further than everyone else. So the thing, you know, you, you don't just go to every lesson, you also practice at home. And how, what it showed me is how quickly you can surpass other people with that. When I say quickly, you know, I'm, I'm talking about a timescale of, of months, right? Within months, you can become significantly better at something than most people are. And, and you can start, you know, you can kind of start um, mixing it up with, with the so-called experts in a field within a year or so. Mm. And that's the idea of the grind is that you can do this. And one example for me was SEO, right? For me, SEO, I went from knowing nothing about SEO to being an expert in the field of SEO within about a year. And the only way I could do that without, you know, I mean, one way to do that is is just to pretend like you're an expert. Um, But that's not what I did. (laughs) The way I did that is I spent an enormous amount of time just focusing and practicing and reading and focusing and practicing and reading about SEO every single day, no exceptions, nonstop. (laughs) So, and, and this is essentially, like I said, this is the only thing I know about life. The only thing I know about life is that if I am stubborn enough and obsessive enough and I grind it out long enough, I get better at things that I do. And so whatever challenges I face, that's how I do it. Like if I, I realize that I don't know how to manage a software company. So that's what I read about. That's what I practice. That's what I make an effort to get better at every single day until this problem is solved. That is the grind. I love it. And it resonates with me a lot. I um, haven't uh, referred to it as the grind before, but I've spoken with lots of entrepreneurs about this is that the you know, you know, when things get hard, most people just give up and say, well, it's too hard. Uh, entrepreneurs uh, who break on through, we, we kind of have this stubbornness that we just don't stop until we find a way around or through or over or under the obstacle in front of us. And when you do break on through to the other side, it is uh, very rewarding knowing that you've put that hard work in and that you've managed to break through some obstacle that most people will just put in the too hard basket. So I um, totally hear what you're saying, and I know that it's going to resonate a lot with our audience. Um, I want to thank you so much for spending so much time with us on the podcast. I know we didn't do the elevation round, but that's okay. I don't care. I was just getting – I was just enjoying the conversation so much. I don't think we need to do it. (laughs) So, um, But what I do want to announce very quickly is that – 
Shane has uh, very kindly offered to give away a copy of Thrive Leads, which is a list-building plugin for WordPress. It is selling for $97 at the moment. To enter this competition, just leave us a comment under this video. This week, there is no particular theme or no particular question. We just want to hear your thoughts on this interview. So just leave a comment underneath uh, this, I think I might have said video then, it's actually just an audio podcast these days. Uh, <laughs> leave a comment underneath this podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you can find it online at wpelevation.com slash Shane Malaw. That's S-H-A-N-E-M-E-L-A-U-G-H. Uh, all one word, all lowercase. And uh, leave us a comment underneath this podcast and I'll get Shane to swing by in a couple of weeks and uh, award that prize to uh, one of the comments just randomly as he sees fit. Hey, Shane, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Where can people reach out and and thank you for this interview? Um, Well, the best place is to just go to thrivethemes.com, all one word. And we also have a blog there where we you know, publish content about basically how to, how to build your mailing list, how to build a more effective website and stuff like that. And there's also a contact form there, but basically that's, that's like my main base, right? If you want to see what we do, what, what our products are, what kind of content we have, what kind of free products we have and so on, just go to thrivethemes.com and you can find all that stuff via the navigation. Beautiful. And uh, final question, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Uh, you should go with Gail from authorityhacker.com because oh. he's, um, he has a great marketing mind. I love talking to him about marketing. He has like this authority hacker is basically the best possible brand for him because he's like a hacker. You know, he always finds interesting ways of getting more traffic or just making something happen. And he's always interesting to talk to. So that's that's my shout out. All right. Awesome. Gail uh, from Authority Hacker. I'm looking at your website right now. We're coming to get you for the podcast, courtesy of Shane from Thrive. So thank you once again for spending some time with us on the podcast. It's been hugely valuable. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And uh, I'll look forward to keeping in touch. And I wish you all the best for the future of Thrive Themes. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Troy. Thanks, Shane. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals. You can get the plugin for just $1 for your first month by going to videousermanuals.com slash podcast. Support for WP Elevation also comes from Audible. You can get your free audio book and a free 30-day trial by visiting wpelevation.com slash audible. That's wpelevation.com slash audible. Please subscribe to the WP Elevation podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you like what we're doing, please give us a rating and a review. All the links and everything we spoke about in this episode will be in the show notes at wpelevation.com slash Shane Maloch, which is S-H-A-N-E-M-E-L-A-U-G-H. And I do apologize, Shane, if I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, That is Shane Maloch, wpelevation.com slash S-H-A-N-E-M-E-L-A-U-G-H. And remember to leave your comment underneath the video and just give us any feedback on this episode whatsoever. And I'll get Shane to swing by in a couple of weeks, go through the comments and award the prize, which is the Thrive Leads plugin, the list building plugin for WordPress, which is currently selling for $97. So just give us any feedback whatsoever on the the WP Elevation podcast and this particular interview. Next week on the podcast, we have Ross Johnson from 3.7 Designs. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. Until then, I've been Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Elevate.